very good evening welcome back to bharat vartha and swarajya this is a joint podcast that we are hosting my name is sharan city and i'm going to be hosting this particular episode with professor r vaidyanathan a little bit of an introduction about him although he doesn't need one professor vaidyanathan is a retired professor of finance from the indian institute of management bengaluru he used to teach at the iim bengaluru and is a two time fulbright scholar and he has been on several committees of sebi rbi and other financial institutions and is considered as one of the best iim professors now his book cast as a social capital examines the workings of caste through the lens of business economics and entrepreneurship professor vaidyanathan thank you so much for joining us today here sir uh, it's an honor to talk to you thank you very much thanks a lot uh, for uh, opportunity to interact with uh, bharat vartha as well as rajya audience i am always uh, pleased about it because they are very erudite and uh, you know knowledgeable people so it's a very very attractive proposition to and thanks sharan for uh, coordinating and uh, very briefly a uh, couple of points i would like to mention before we get into this your uh, questions and answers and one is uh, first and foremost we should recognize india is the only civilization which never had slavery as one of its uh, policies islamic civilization based on slavery actually you may recall we were ruled by slave dynasty for a short period of time in our history uh, before the collapse of the mughal uh, rule and the arrival of the british anyhow Uh, uh, and everybody knows the us and the many of the european countries were built on slavery but we never had slavery as one of the principles that's the first point second is uh, caste uh, you know earlier it used to be varna and four type of varnas and other thing and now you know the portuguese word caste is used it's a costa actually when they conquered the latin american kind of the southern american countries they began to call in terms of conquista casta and that casta was translated and the portuguese were in india that somehow it got uh, uh, stuck and then got used and became caste otherwise jati is the traditional name given for it earlier we used to have fourfold and uh, third point i should like to mention is before 1881 first census of british hierarchy was never created in the caste system the hierarchy that brahmin kshatriya vaishya sudra this was created in the british 1881 census let me repeat it prior to that caste were existing no doubt about it but there were no this hierarchy the the you know the only uh, you know example given is everybody quote this rigvedic uh, uh, chanting in terms of the uh, Now they that brahmins came from the head and uh, vaishyas uh, from the uh, stomach and uh, kshatriyas from the heart and shudras from the feet and that is the hierarchy it's not actually a correct uh, interpretation because feet is worshiped in our system if you go to vaishnava temple they will keep a crown on your head it's a feet of the god actually and uh, everybody who goes to tirupati first person has to did you see the feet the feet is something which is very very uh, precious and so from that point of view this is uh, not this uh, not a very technical uh, thing of uh, hierarchy so the first hierarchy was 1881 by the british 
they didn't succeed much. There were only 1930 cast they could identify actually. In those days, it was uh, what I would rather call uh, non-aggregation in the sense caste, sub-caste, sub-sub-caste and other things. So people used to identify themselves with some sub-sub-sub-sub-caste. There were one-member caste in that census for some hundred or something. Just one member only in that caste. Nobody else was there. British were very unhappy and so they told the in uh, this enumerator next time in 1891 census, you decide who belongs to which caste. This is uh, obnoxious atrocity because nowhere in the world any census is conducted where the enumerator decides uh, to which category you belong. He asks you and based upon your response, he has to note it down. Any of this carried on from uh, 1891, 1991 like that to 1931. That is the last caste census which is available in India. After that, there were no caste census. 1941, there were no census because of the Second World War. And 1951, Nehru decided we are a casteless society. So he told that remove that column at all. So after 31, there is no caste except SCST is always uh, indicated and religious uh, connotation is there, not caste. So anybody talking about caste in that constituency, that constituency, this area, all of them, I call it as porta data, pulled out of thin air. There is no basis for it or anything. So that is something. And this is the one 1931 census, which was used in 1984 by the Mandal Commission in order to decide about the uh, reservation for OBCs. Can you beat that? 1931 was used in 1981 and everybody told, oh, it's a very good thing. Another. And each caste is a sampradaya. That also we should recognize about uh, naming ceremony, Namakarnam, and then Mundakam of shaving the head and various other aspects are sub, you know, unique for every caste. Some caste name it after birth, name the child. Some caste wait for 10 days. Some of them wait for one year actually. After that only they will prepare the horoscope. So each caste is a, uh, what one can loosely call a uh, sampradaya and a separate thing. You cannot uh, you know, order, everybody should shave their head after five months or something. You, there won't be any barbers available in the country. So this is the type of a, a brief uh, thing I want to mention to you. Now you can shoot. Thank you so much, sir. Sir, I'd like to begin with, uh, you know, in fact, I'm glad that you touched upon the 1881 and the 1891 census, where you said that uh, a certain numerical identification of uh, caste groups was attempted by the British. And that methodology has been carried on even after independence, where you see even the Mandal Commission using uh, the data that was acquired from the 1931 uh, census. So in that sense, even today, caste census is a very politically sensitive subject. So how accurate are we uh, in terms of, you know, getting our numbers right and getting uh, the kind of identification right? And, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, the disadvantages or even the possible advantages of conducting censuses like this. You see, uh, it's not very as easy as it is made out, caste census. 2007, uh, sorry, 2011, it was attempted when P. Chidambaram was the Home Minister as an additional, what one can call, activity for the regular census. People were asked their caste and death. And uh, something like 3.8 million households were covered with uh, 4.6 million entries 
72 households per caste, if you believe it. And there were 60,000 entries which are confusing. Because it's not very easy. Because when you ask a person a caste in a TV studio, you talk about the Tevars, Nadars, and Shetis, and Yadavs, and Kurmis. But at the ground level, every individual identifies himself with a sub, 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 sub area of that caste. There are 405 caste of Jats, actually, sub caste. So, where does it identify? And then there is a lot of difference between, uh, like we were lightheartedly discussing, SHETTY, SETTY, then NAIK, NAOIAK, and all these things. So, anyhow, there was a huge classification problem. Government of India handed it over to Niti Ayog, which is the successor to Planning Commission in 2016. Niti Ayog uh, got uh, two huge steel almeras and then kept all the tapes inside with uh, lock and key. Key would have been thrown out, I think. So that's a position of the last caste attempted census. Karnataka attempted in 2017, when Sudhiram, the current chief minister was earlier chief minister, 2017. Karnataka conducts very often the socio-economic surveys and everything. And that also has been kept inside two huge... Uh, what one can call Godridge Almiras, Godridge or any Almiras, and the key has been thrown out. The reason is, in Karnataka, it is generally believed that uh, Linkayat and Okaligas constitute a very major uh, chunk of the caste. Linkayat are supposed to be 18 to 19 percent, Okaligas are supposed to be 12 percent. This is the you know belief, I would say. And actually, the leaked data suggests from that survey 2017, that uh, Lingayats are not as many number as it is claimed. It's around 12% uh, or something. Okaligas are less than 10%. And so that survey was not uh, released. And it was found out Muslims and Dalits constitute 42% of Karnataka. So Dalits is roughly of the order of 18-20% Muslim. Plus other smaller, smaller caste, you know, Kurubas, Idigas, and uh, who belong to the Haginda category of uh, Sadaramaya. And all of them put together is around 45 to 50% of the population. Anyhow, that census has also not been released. So there is now there are some clamor that there should be a caste census. Again, people are talking about it. I don't know how much it is going to be uh, useful, how much it is going to be. Uh, like Priyanka, you know, Dipangar Gupta, then renowned sociologist from Delhi says, it is frozen by the British, these four categories. In the hierarchy. Earlier to that, there were no hierarchy. All castes were there, but nobody was superior, inferior, and other, nothing. And uh, it was actually flowing in the sense some uh, so called uh, lower caste became middle caste, middle caste became some of the Kshatriyas became uh, Prohit caste, some of the Prohit caste became Vaishyas, and you know, this was going on. But Britishers froze it in terms of fourfold. One of the four category only you can belong till your death. That is the thing. Anyhow, caste census is again being talked about. I'm not very sure how much it will be successful in terms of practical you know, issues in terms of identification. Okay. To what degree do you think there is caste consciousness? Because uh, usually it is said that now when you look at the surveys and the sociology textbooks, it said that there are thousands and thousands of castes even in uh, several uh, progressive states, progressive as in uh, from the point of view of social indices. But when the application 
of caste comes into the picture uh, you can largely say that you know the caste conscious is there during marriage or during elections uh, but it also varies from each state to the other sir so how do we understand this because from each town in india it is quite different what i have argued in the book is caste unites in business and commerce caste divides in politics this i think is the core theme of the book actually and uh, what you say is in uh, marriage time no it is uh, recognized for instance uh, childbirth different caste treat uh, the childbirth differently even a pregnant woman actually in terms of uh, what is nowadays called a shower for uh, pregnancy even that how she is treated and uh, similarly death it's not just marriage post death ceremonies are different for different caste some caste close it in 13th day some 10th day some caste i know is on 6th day itself incidentally majority of the hindu caste burn their uh, death but there are many who bury it not all of them burn it actually so after burial for instant good segment of the lingayat bury it actually so it is told that uh, during politics and marriage only it's not necessarily like that first point second is during politics also the way you identify caste is very important there are 91 classification in lingayat when there was an agitation for creating it as a separate religion state government released the data 91 three of them are actually dalit there are sc lingayat so there is a, you know as many so when you say people are caste conscious i agree but what they identify as caste is not what we understand as caste right padamsali lingayat sadar lingayat they will say sadar they will not uh, accept padamsalis also so like that you know there are plenty of uh, issues involved in that so that is the uh, point caste consciousness is there across the country all over the country my follow up question would naturally be how is the caste consciousness when it comes to a abrahamic religions because today uh, prime minister modi is emphasizing and it has become a political issue that the pasmandas have been discriminated by the ashrafs and so there is a caste identification even within christianity uh, within islam today and there is another point which is that there are migrant populations who came into india for instance the siddhi tribes today are identified as sts in some states and you know obcs in some other states there in karnataka gujarat maharashtra they're spread across and uh, they were never from our dharmic fold but have adopted hinduism and different other religions some of them are even christians and uh, went went through proselytization so uh, you know how does how do you observe this complexity when it comes to abrahamic religions and migrant population all over the world this the division is always there in us for instance in the 50s and 60s the major social capital was the church you know lutheran church episcopalian presbyterian and so many type of churches some churches were very dominant one actually 43 us presidents who had only two catholics if you want to know the second one is currently ruling and uh, all others predominantly were episcopalians and presbyterians and uh, for instance a lutheran will never enter into a church of a baptist baptist will not go into a church of a uh, episcopalian like that nowadays black churches are also so that is there caste is in some form it's a you know it's a question of uh, how do you want to 
divide the uh, society a smaller grouping and identification and other things india you know this uh, very much caste is present in you just look at the matrimonial columns of newspapers you will see there actually nadar christian pillai christian brahmin christian wanting and you know i mean catholic advertisements come you know and one priest told i will stop baptizing in mangalore because he says these people think they are brahmins and i are caste this is a very this is a catholic priest he told i will not baptize any more priest so this is very much there in all the thing and uh, is muslims also muslims for instance ahmadiyas they don't even consider it as muslims pakistan passport uh, denies them mentioning as muslims and the bahais are not recognized and and then uh, there is a lot of difference between the uh, boras and uh, sunnis and shias hundreds of uh, subcategories and uh, so this is always there you know very large identity is not very easy to get you know you have family extended family then the next identity is some sort of a grouping it could be a church grouping it could be a caste grouping it could be as they call it bowling alley in us you know who those who families which regularly visit bowling alleys they form a group they form a cluster and other so the abrahamic uh, you know doesn't have caste is a crap actually second is uh, because of caste a lot of people got shifted to abrahamic is also a crap because for instant uh, uh, you know was there a, a massive caste system in south korea why should they all become christian was there a massive caste system in thailand was it there uh, even in mainland china quite a large number of them are christians so it's not a caste system alone which is responsible for conversion into it's a dharma of christian to convert let's be very very clear if a christian priest doesn't convert he is not following his dharma his role is to because uh, he would i recall in the beginning of the century i was in U- uk i visited a church in a sunday morning i was just walking around and i thought why don't i it can accommodate thousand people such a huge church and uh, there were only 11 people inside and of them six of them were malayalis keralites and uh, you know i was the 12th person i sat there after the sermon the priest came to me and then where are you from you seem to be new obviously you know when you find 12 person in a church on a sunday morning you can easily identify and uh, yes i told i am new i am from india oh you are from india oh they are all in darkness he told i told you <laughs> see power cut and you know the coal shortage and those days coal shortage we were discussing he was talking about darkness in some other way i was explaining it what i want to say is it is in his dharma to convert to pull me out of darkness that's all so abraham is don't have castral crap actually nobody takes it seriously nowadays at least and uh, you find a newspaper very many reports and you know some dalit christians are not allowed with uh, you know uh, inside the crematorium of uh, others and you know all this next is you talked about that small group who have uh, come from uh, africa long long time before but those are very very uh minuscule in terms of numbers uh, if you take 1.4 billion of uh, indian their number will not be we also have jews incidentally who have originally migrated and we have parsis who have also migrated from the uh, middle east 
So there are some smaller groups like this who practice their own. You can treat them as a caste by itself, actually. That groupism is a... Right? So the Shiddhi is not something to be, you know, uh, they have their own customs, uh, rituals and other things. And they follow it and obviously over a long period of time because of interaction with other groups of Indians, so they have adopted very many practices and other things that also take place. Thank you so much for that wonderful explanation, sir. Uh, let's get into the core tenets of uh, your book, which is that caste acts as a social capital and that communities, there is a Vaishyavization of caste in India, uh, which is very interesting as a concept because I also remember watching one of your YouTube talks where you say that, you know, uh, the Patels, uh, for instance, in America, run most of the motels. So in that sense, uh, the Vaishavization is not just limited to India, but wherever Hindus go, uh, there is that sense of, you know, uh, community which Global. exists. Now, you see, traditionally, people entered into business through trade and commerce, like jute trading, cotton trading, you were, uh, you know, tapars, bangurs, birlas, dalmias, and all those groups, traditionally. Much later in the post-independence period, you will find huge number of uh, people belonging to agriculture class. Traditional agriculturists like your Gounders, Nadars, uh, Reddies, Kamas, uh, Velamas and uh, Patels. You know, various uh, agricultural groups are uh, got into business now. This is something very, very interesting actually. And, uh, you know, GVK, GVR, all these uh, are all, you know, the emerged businesses actually. The third is the scribal, you know, normally those who are interested in clerical or officer type like Brahmins, Kshatriyas, uh, sorry, uh, Kayasthas, then Baidya, uh, Baidis in Bengal, all these groups have also entered into business. And the Dalit Chamber of Commerce is very active. Not many people know there are many Dalits who are very good entrepreneurs today, actually. Saroj is one example, one lady who is the tubes in Kamani tube. She is some 700 crore empire actually. So everybody wants to become Vaishya. And the government of course is coming out of business which is as it should be. And hopefully government will act only as Kshatriya and not as Vaishya. That is protect interior, exterior. And this Vaishyavization has been for a very long period. Newer groups have entered into that. That's the most interesting thing. For instance, 1800 itself, people have moved from uh, Rajasthan to far away deep interiors of Assam and Bengal to set up, uh, uh, you know, trade and commerce. La large number of these Marwaris. In, the, in those days, there were no trains, there were no aeroplanes, <laughs> nothing. Only the, you know, what you call that, some sort of a, a bullock cart or, you know, or you are there carried on palanquin, that type of thing. They have always been, um, and many of them have gone to, you know, Africa. Many of the African countries, you find people who are gone there 100 years before another. But now, newer and newer groups are entering. That is what I am calling Vaishyavization. Advantage is, look at Nadars, for instance. 60 years before, they were not uh, uh, very well known or something. Now, they are one of the most powerful community in Tamil Nadu, in terms of business and commerce, actually. Uh, so, the business and commerce makes you, uh, the entire community move up the ladder. Whereas the reservation makes only that individual or that family 
that's all it helps them not uh, anything more than that actually this is what is happening so in places like gujarat if i can give you a couple of examples uh, from my own personal experience in gujarat my friends regardless of which community they belong to they wake up first thing in the morning a they want to discuss how they can make money uh, because it's a you know entrepreneurial state and then they identify uh, markets in east africa they tell that you know we have an uncle or an aunt who's settled in east africa they already have networks that there is an established market for pharmacy and we can make money over there or you go to the northeast uh, uh, for instance i was in nagaland around 5 uh, or 6 years ago and i was in a remote area where and i'm a vegetarian so uh, you know it, it's very difficult to find food over there and i was walking through the uh, street just hoping that you know there'll be some good vegetarian food to eat and there was a uh, i think there was a marwadi or a jain who used to run that particular hotel and they ventured everywhere not just in the northeast in fact you were also mentioning that in bengaluru today a lot of uh, mewaris from rajasthan have set shop and this is true in the area where i live because there used to be only one electrical shop in my area 20 years ago now there are almost 10 by the same name who uh, which are all run by rajasthanis who, who are an aspiring class and they integrate Actually, very well uh, i can add here i used to give a project to my student in my course the project is buying a electric bulb in south bangalore from a shop which is not owned by a rajasthani all of them used to fail other is i will tell you i was in antwerp one of the diamond centers of the world in belgium i didn't go to buy diamond i went for a finance conference anyhow i was coming down the small you know it is a inn you know type of a bed and breakfast type of a facility not a big hotel or anything you come down and uh, Uh, you know there is a tea corner and a coffee corner and then there is some toast and other things that's all in the morning and then you go for your work and other thing come in the night and sleep i saw a board there jain meals i was very surprised actually you know i have seen veg non veg i have also seen halal meals but not jain meals i went to the manager and asked him what is this he told no our predominantly our customers are kalanpur jains and later i came to know that they control the diamond business in antwerp 70% of the diamond business is with jains now there was an article in wall street journal that time first time the jews were defeated in business without violence earlier jews used to occupy the place of 70% so what i mean to say is there is a small small jains are 0.00001% perhaps of indian population so what happened is uh, finance market access local rules and regulations all these are much simpler because of the cost uh, uh, as a social capital as a you know facilitating process and other so today uh, because of the it sector and the services sector in general everybody are becoming engineers and doctors and uh, slowly that uh, how would i say the traditional way of looking at jati or varna is slowly becoming a little more fluid like you said there is a vaishyavization but to what extent is that true because when you look at the younger generation who are getting into these professions how do you identify communities and also bracket that you know there is a certain element of vaishyavization happening because there is so so much fluidity in the jobs market no this vaishyavization has got two sub sub 
like uh, Yaman Sinawas used to say, one is the Sanskritization subset, another is the Westernization subset. So the Westernization subset is also active in terms of, you know, uh, dress, in terms of uh, language, in terms of, and many of them, what you Westernization subset, what you may loosely call, also are part of the uh, left groups and other thing. You know, they are, uh, you know, ridiculous. Uh, and while as the Sanskritization is more on the right side, you know, they they send their children for, you know, these uh, yoga classes and uh, uh, learning some of the Sanskrit slokas. And even though they are in, uh, even uh, you can see this in abroad also, this uh, group. So Vaishyavization, what I mean is the traditional uh, way of doing business is uh, not uh, only for this group, you know, the like the Baniyas and the other, but everybody else also is uh, jumping into that. Becoming a entrepreneur has become a, you know, uh, like you, you call in, um, you know, Bangalore about uh, your, what you may call the uh, startups, you know, that has become a craze, you know, like uh, I own a startup. Maybe after 20 years of uh, working in a company, you quit that and then do a uh, startup. Earlier, you know, being a Baniya is, was uh, not considered as appropriate. Actually, it used to be an abusive word in the 60s. Nehru told the hang the trader from the nearest lamppost and everything. So the idea of uh, uh, Baniya was not a good thing. But today it is no more. Today, actually, you can say that you are in business and commerce with a lot of joy. And there are many, you know, TV programs, shows and award giving and everything. You know, being an entrepreneur is not a uh, bad thing. Actually, it's a very good thing, actually, that you are an entrepreneur compared to. But earlier 60s, if you go back, you know, that you have a fixed job, particularly government's chakri, you know, very important. And that used to be considered as a uh, thing. And, uh, the, the you know, my friends and I also agree with that. The good indicator of this is what is called the marriage market of Andhra Pradesh. How the AP girls' uh, fathers are. And, you know, those days they used to look for IAS. Uh, now they look for IT company people and they send, uh, sometimes they send their daughters to study medicine abroad, spending huge amount of money and other things. So, and, uh, you should be US educated. That is very, very in management field, ideally. And quite a large number of them have entered into, in US as well as in India, into the startups actually. If you see the thing, you will find, right? So this is something very uh, interesting which is uh, taking place. So uh, finally, uh, my final question is, I think we've touched upon most of the themes that we wanted to cover. So because of the political situation today, there are nuances in the caste debate. And the left today accuses certain sections of the right that there is a denialism that any atrocities took place. And then there is an attempt to whitewash. Obviously, you're an authority on this and you're the best person to address this. So how would you uh, describe uh, our treatment of the underprivileged and how we can go forward? Especially because obviously we want to eliminate that a sense of discrimination and we want to move forward in a positive tone. If you look at the political space today, almost all parties are father-son parties, what you can loosely call dynasty. It is handed over to the children, except two communist parties, which are not explicitly dynasty and up so far is not at dynasty and BJP. And there are some small parties which are not dynastic. 
But otherwise, you look at the space. Sheikh Abdullah gives it to his son. Mulayam Singh Adav gives it to his son. Lalu Yadav gives it to his son. Then Chandrababu Naidu gives it to his son. You know, uh, Stalin gives it. Of course, uh, Karunanadi gives it. Stalin's case is very unique because Karunanadi was not one of the founders of DMK. He was not, actually. He later hijacked the party and then made it into a family. So these are all what I call F20, family-based uh, groups. 20 of them, I have enumerated it in my book. And all of them are, unfortunately, caste-based. You know, Mulayam Singh is uh, Yadav, uh, Muslims, and Lalu Yadav is Yadav, then uh, Jats, then uh, Gujars, then you have Noidos, Kamas, Reddies, Velamas, and now uh, this uh, Suranji uh, is, what is that, new Kapu-based one party, one for one of the new younger actor in uh, Andhra Pradesh is uh, propagating. So, and Tamil Nadu, of course, everybody knows there is a full party for one year. There is a full party for Dalits. There is. Today, in the political sphere, it is a rise of the, what you may loosely call OBCs. This is... Uh, Otherwise, so, traditionally no, also the BJP was known as a Banya party. Today, that identity does not no, exist. No, no. BJP is not anymore a Banya party or anything. Incidentally, when Sardar Patel merged a 540 uh, kingdom, all the five parties were OBC or SCST. Not many people are even recognizing this. My American colleague used to say India is the only country where the previous rulers are now having a reservation. And they used to be very violent, at least up north. You know, they were not even allowing the Dalits uh, to go to vote polling booth and other thing. Post TN session and this uh, electronic voting machine, many things have changed. And uh, even Dalits are now able to there is no complaint of them not able to vote or anything. They can go and vote. So there is a very uh, significant shift is also taking place. In, uh, you know, in places like uh, southern part of the country, the third dimension uh, conflict has started between the OBC and Dalit. They are not in eye to eye and uh, not the first dimension. All those things are over now. Nobody cares. So uh, northern part also. And... Uh, the children-based parties are all caste parties. And uh, one thing I can tell you lightheartedly, most of them prefer the second child than the first child. I call it a second child syndrome. Like Lalu Yadav preferred the second child. Karunanadi preferred the second child. Then Devagoda preferred the second child. I don't know. This can be a good research topic. Why choose the, uh, not the first one, the second one. So this is uh, going to play out in a very, very uh, interesting way. Of course, uh, people are talking about Hindu identity and uh, I am in search of a Hindu who is uh, trying to go and vote. So that's not the caste identity, is the primordial identity. So this is what is being exploited by the regional political parties. The only way to uh, torpedo is, is uh, to benefit the, uh, what one can call the listed communities, SESTs and other thing into Various, for instance, uh, DMK, in spite of talking so much about uh, upliftment, not a single district secretary belongs to SCST. Even today, after 70 years of uh, being in power and all that. Point I want to stress is, you have to build uh, resources and we have to put uh, caste as a social capital alternative, not a political capital. Let me repeat it. It should be more in business and commerce. 
because there it unites. It doesn't matter who is your, even Hindu Muslim, I'm telling. It doesn't matter if a Muslim comes to your shop and buys, so you are not going to say no to him or anything. Because the elementary principle is uh, business. Making Same money. thing, supplier. If some, uh, if he supplies some good items, you are not going to, even Ram Mandir, some of the people who are chiseling there are Muslims actually, because they are doing a very good work. That is the whole idea. So the business and commerce, according to me, the visualization process should be more and more accelerated. The more you accelerate it, the more uh, the uh, type of uh, discrimination and other thing will come down. Because if you are also in the business, if you are, a, for instance, Sivagasi, I know quite a number of uh, Dalit community people are also into matchmaking. They are entrepreneurs. So they are recognized and they are respected. So this is a question of very simple. Where do you come from and where do you aspire for? This uh, equation has to be altered in terms of uh, the, you know, the OBC dominance should be in concurrence with uh, taking along with them the uh, lower uh, segment and lower caste, whatever you call it, right? Yes. Thank you so much for joining us today, sir. It's been an absolutely enlightening session. Always a delight to hear you speak. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. much. Thank you, Sharon. Thanks a lot for uh, Bharat Vata as well as for the Swarajya. And my sincere thanks to the uh, Sharon for providing interesting questions. Viewers, that yeah. was our conversation with Professor R. Vaidyanathan. His book, Cast as Social Capital, is available on Amazon and other e-commerce platforms. And you can also pick it up in bookstores. It's a must read for anybody who wants to understand the way forward as far as the caste uh, word goes in India and how we can move forward by the process of Vaishavization that uh, he was talking about. And I'm sure that he would love to engage with you if you have any questions further. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is your host Sharan Sethi for Bharat Vartha and Swarajya.